We want to talk about faith. We want to talk about um, politics. We want to talk about race. We want to talk about pop culture. Literally, everything, 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 everything is up for discussion, and that's what rap culture is about. About, about, about. What's going on, world? You are tuned in to episode 17 of Brunch Culture. I'm your boy, Randall Keith, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ms. Lisa Victoria. What's up, y'all? All right, so we're going to dive into this brunch culture. Of course, we like to start off with our weekend review. We had a few major events that happened this week. We're going to kick it off with the Michael Dunn uh, verdict that that was reached this past week. Michael Dunn was actually found guilty of first-degree murder um, in what's being called the loud music trial. If you guys don't know about this trial, this basically Michael Dunn is – the shooter of uh, the the murderer of Troy Davis. Troy Davis was a teenager, 17-year-old teenager that was killed in 2012 in Jacksonville, Florida, at a gas station. Uh, Troy Davis was there with a group of his friends. They were in a vehicle getting gas. Apparently, their music was too loud. An altercation happened between Michael Dunn and Troy Davis. Uh, Michael Dunn said that he thought that Troy Davis had a weapon in his car, so he fired shots into the car. Unfortunately, Troy Davis was the only uh, person in the vehicle that was killed, um, and his friends uh, were there. His friends were there as well. Earlier this year, in February, a jury found Michael Dunn guilty on four counts of attempted murder, and they deadlocked on the first-degree murder of Troy Davis. This is really big and really huge because at this point we have found they found him guilty this past Wednesday, and it, it's a sigh of relief for the I know for the people of Jacksonville, for the community of Jacksonville, for the black community of Jacksonville, and just because this became a nationwide thing that happened shortly after Trayvon Martin, and the story became a, a nationwide story. I know it's a sigh of relief for black communities, minority communities everywhere that says the justice system does get it right. So I think it's a definitely a good thing to have this be shown and it kind of boosts morale uh, for people that may have just given up on the justice system and its ability to serve the people, all people. I agree with that. I definitely agree. I was excited. And I know the parents of Jordan Davis are kid rests a little bit well rest a little bit better knowing that the man who killed their son has been he's they found him guilty for the crime that was committed against their son i know they were happy for justice for his friends but now they have justice for their son and i i know they're they're definitely happy right well in other news ebola has reached the united states um, you know that they had flown some other people who contracted Ebola while in Africa that were um, American citizens back. But this person actually was diagnosed in the United States. Miss, His name is Thomas Eric Duncan, the first Ebola case diagnosed in the U.S., and apparently he was helping 
someone get to the hospital that had Ebola while he was in Lib- um, in Africa. And so he did not tell the the officials at the airport that he had contact had contact with someone who had Ebola. And he actually checked no. And so when he got here a, a week of I think it was on the it says on September twentieth he flew in and on September twenty sixth at ten PM he went to the ER at Texas Health Presbyterian Hospital and told them he was having a low-grade fever and abdominal pain. He did, however, tell them that he had recently traveled to Africa, but the hospital later said that um, they dropped the ball and it was due to a flaw in the electronic health recording record-keeping. And they were saying some exchanges with the, the shift change as well affected that. And then on the 28th, he returned to the hospital. Um, he was... Uh, um, people that were in his neighborhood said he was throwing up everywhere. He was throwing up all over the ambulance. And on Tuesday, September 30th, it was confirmed that he had contacted Ebola. And so, yeah, I'm. I don't know how I feel about this because he's traveled um, to the United States. He's been on planes, at contact with people. He goes a week. Um, where he's had contact with people. And the hospital, what what blows my mind about this is how can you drop the ball on such a big thing? Like you sent him home the first time with some antibiotics and told him it was just some kind of thing that will pass, and this man has Ebola. And yes. it's like killing people in Africa. I mean, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't feel safe. How about you, Linda? It definitely was. Uh, it's definitely a huge problem on the fault of the hospital. I don't know how much can be done to reprimand them for that, but that's a major drop for him to have these symptoms, and not so much so that they sent him away initially, because I think that that's kind of a normal practice. You know, especially if you come into the ER, they want to get you in, get you stabilized, and get you out, but him having mentioned to the nursing staff that, hey, I have, I am coming from Africa, I'm coming from Liberia, I think that probably should have been a red flag and something that somebody should be held responsible for kind of ignoring. Um, what kind of makes me just a bit uneasy with this is I don't really have clear understanding of how you can contract it. Some people say that it is infectious but not contagious, meaning that if I'm sitting next to you, I can't get it. But if I'm kissing you, if I drink behind you, um, if I'm intimate with you sexually or anything like that, then that's how you contract it. But I've heard conflicting stories. So it's just kind of, it's a little nerve-wracking. And then there yeah. was reports that someone um, in uh, Howard University Hospital has been treated for Ebola-like symptoms, and it was kind of got people in the city a little nerve-wracking. The my Twitter went crazy yesterday. My text messages went crazy. People hit me up on Google Hangouts like, "Hey, when you get on the metro, make sure you careful. You're careful." And I'm like, "What's going on?" I pull up the article. Then I actually went to Howard University's Twitter page and read it, and they said that they are treating 
the person that came in, they have the person in quarantine, the person may have been exposed, and I think it was through an airport, but they had that person in quarantine. So it wasn't that big of a deal, but, again, it's just a little nerve-wracking because you think about you're in close quarters with people on the metro, going out, going to eat, and you're around people, and you think, I could potentially be exposed to this thing, and I think we need to be doing some more to cover this up because it is a little nerve-wracking. Yeah, and uh, Liberia is set to prosecute um, Mr. Duncan once he, if he, in fact, gets well um, because he lied to them before he came back to the United States by checking no on that box. So if he gets well, he's actually facing charges by the Liberian government. So I guess it's just a bad case for Mr. Duncan. But we hope for the best in his case, and we'll be definitely praying for him. All right. And moving forward, uh, in the Tracy Morgan versus Walmart, Tracy Morgan and Walmart case, Apparently, this this past week, Walmart released a very insensitive statement, practically blaming Tracy Morgan for the injuries he suffered. Um, if you guys aren't aware, Tracy Morgan, who is a renowned comedian, has been um, – he's in recovery stages, but he was in a terrible accident, and he was riding in a limo bus. Um, there ended up being a six-car pileup. This was this past June, and um, – a Walmart truck actually struck his car. So Walmart released a statement on behalf of their uh, attorneys basically saying that um, the injuries, uh, Morgan's injuries were caused in whole or in part by the plaintiff's failure to properly wear an an appropriate available seatbelt restraint device. So he's in a limo bus. Um, Everybody's saying afterwards that other people in the limo bus were not wearing seatbelts, and their injuries weren't as severe as Tracy Morgan's. It's kind of crazy because it comes very insensitive that Walmart, this huge, giant machine of a company, will make that type of statement about somebody that is injured and that is still in the recovery stages. It wasn't the best PR move. I don't really know how they're going to recover from it. They've released a subsequent statement saying that, you know, they had to put that out there they're wishing and hoping for the best for his recovery, yada, 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 yada. It's kind of one of those things where I think you found your foot in your mouth and your lawyers, as great as they could be, I think they probably lack common sense on what should be said because that was kind of stupid. Yeah, yeah, and very insensitive to this man who could potentially lose his career over this. So Exactly. They definitely have to be a, a little bit more sensitive in this in this whole case because that's a definitely that's a sensitive matter. But moving on to our main topic this week, uh, we want to talk about something that we all talk about at work, at school, wherever you are. If you're a young professional, I've heard all young professionals talk about reality TV. Uh, that's the trend in TV. Scripted shows are seem to be on the decline, and unscripted shows seem to be on the rise, even though some would argue that reality TV is scripted as well. But it, but is it doing damage, though? Is reality TV destroying the black image? You look at shows like Real Housewives of Atlanta, 
Loving Hip Hop Atlanta, New York, and Hollywood, Hollywood Exes, Atlanta Exes, R&B Divas, Hollywood Divas. And a new one that's tripping me out is Tiny and Shekinah's Weed Trip. Does that leave a bad taste in the mouths of of other races and in our own for the black image? I feel like they show our worst behavior on TV. That's personally how I feel, and I feel like it affects us as a people negatively. How do you feel about it, Randy? So um, this issue, this conversation is actually, it goes on and on and on and on and on. It's one of those things that is not new. It's something that I think everybody can relate to having a conversation about it at least for five seconds with one person. And, you know, I don't really know where I stand on it. Um, I... Rarely with issues am I not on one particular side. I try to be understanding of people that support reality television shows. I'll preface this by saying my consumption of them are today and today today's time is not big at all. And this large part of I realize that I have a lot of other more productive things to do with my time. Nothing against people that do, but I'm just like, eh, I don't really have time to watch that. There was once upon a time when they were starting to be the the black reality, reality tel- television shows, when they were starting to be it's kind of newer, and you start the antics of certain people were stuff that we had never seen on TV. I started to watch them, or I would tune into the the reruns when I'm, like, around the house cleaning or something like that just to see what was going on. And, you know, I take the position of I think that everything can be done in moderation. And, you know, we do have – there are their white counterparts, if you will. We have, like, the Real Housewives of Orange County, and I think it's New York, and – it's a bunch of other uh, different franchises that showcase wow, wow. predominantly. Yeah, they showcase women of other races. So we can't just say, well, black women shouldn't do it because uh, it's something that's being done by other races. I think it just hits us worse because of the stereotypes that already exist. And mm-hmm. in our shows, I realize we perpetuate a lot of those stereotypes. And on one end, that's what gets, people to a certain level of success, but on another end, it kind of leaves people just to believe what they what they already thought about our people. And I say that to say NeNe Leakes, I think, is the best example of that. NeNe Leakes' character or per, per, persona or personality, the reality TV show, I don't know if you can call her a character, but whatever, she uh, perpetuated this angry black woman stereotype. She was the, I tell it like it is, I say what I got to say, I go off when I want to go off, I speak my mind, I put you in check type woman. Well, people started to know her for that, and that kind of that's what got her name in, in, in people's mouths, and people would watch to see what antics NeNe would, would go on. But then NeNe realized that, that can only go on for so long before you are stereotyped and kicked out of the room instead of invited to the party. So her image started to improve. She started to become, you know, more 
calm and reserved and she is the voice of reason and she helps out and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, it's almost like now she's learned how to jump into it when she needs to and then jump out of it to kind of protect her overall image. And she's been extremely successful. She is successful. She, I think she's going to be starting on Broadway uh, towards the end of later in this year. And to think she's able to get to that level. And it's all, this is all from a reality show, but when people look at her, people that don't understand that or won't even think about the fact that as black people, as black women, we're just like everybody else, everybody is intricate and detailed, and you can see one part of them, but that is not all of who they are. They have other facets to them. People don't realize that. So what she promotes is just kind of this angry black woman image, and I think for people that don't have to deal with black people all the time, that's what they understand us to be or black women to be, and they just kind of accept it and move forward with it. And I think that's when it becomes detrimental to the black image. That type of thing is just, it's not its not progressing, progressive, and it doesn't help us. Well, I, I, I don't really watch much reality TV. I did get into the first season of Atlanta Housewives, which there's been, seems like a million seasons since. The first season was okay. It kind of got progressively more ratchet. Uh, <laughs> but the first season to me was a little bit tamer. Um, it just gets progressively worse as the years go along because drama is what boosts ratings. Uh, right. But I did get into Love and Hip Hop Atlanta. Oh, Lord. And <laughs> it's the worst it. one. <laughs> yes. And I watched it. I didn't watch that much this last season because it kind of conflicted with my schedule. Um, and recently um, I caught up on Love and Hip Hop Hollywood, and I felt like during that I was losing, like brain cells were dying. Um, and I just, it just, these people sit around, and have quote unquote jobs where they always in the studio and they never have an album. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're just going around to these clubs and parties and having these conversations and they always seem to be fighting. And I'm looking at the age of these people and their maturity level and there's a disconnect there. And it's just like they give it's like cage birds putting the putting them in, and they have money, and it's just like they're behaving badly and nothing they – they're making horrible decisions. And these are the people that you aspire to be like. I know that some people aspire to be. They're never going to go. But in our community, in most black urban communities, poverty is an issue. And they see people with money, and they're not looking at their maturity level. They're looking at their the money, the cars, which most of the cars are rented, most of the houses are rented. It's all a facade on TV. And it's like, well, if I just become a rapper or if I become a video girl or if I date a rapper or if I find a producer or if I become a stripper, I can make it. And those are the paths that seem to be showcased on TV for our young people to follow, to mimic, to rise up out of poverty. We're not highlight, highlighting the young 
black professionals and letting them be the gods for our minorities who are watching TV. And that bothers me. Yeah. The the caveat, the, the catch to that, though, is I think sometimes we have to, and this is kind of why I become conflicted with the issue, because sometimes I think we have to bring ourselves out of this utopia of we're going to be perfect and we have to be perfect and realize that we we are just like normal people. So I think it would be great to highlight our, our positive and successful young black professionals, people that are doing great things, but I also have to recognize that that would not – people won't watch that. Um, if we have people that are just on an extremely positive show, <clears throat> people will not dive into it without drama. And I think that's a moment where we have to – we just have to take a reality pill and check ourselves because in understanding that to, at some point, some degree, we watch the show – we didn't watch the show because or we watched a reality show. We didn't watch those shows because these people were like you know, community service or, you know, being positive and, and super great, intelligent and smart people. We watched them because we wanted to look at the the argument or we thought it was funny to laugh. I know uh when I did watch I think it was the very first season of um Love and Hip Hop Atlanta, that's the only season I watched. Um Jocelyn Hernandez, hilarious, funny, like funny, 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 funny. And I just remember looking and just expecting all I wanted to hear. I don't want to hear about any other plots or anybody else. I didn't care about nobody else. I just wanted to hear her talk in her broken English and me be able to make fun of what she was saying or me being able to mimic her when I talk to other people or repeat something that she she said um in in the db just because I thought it was hilarious. So when I think about that I'm like, well, I kind of got to check myself cuz I am supporting this in in doing it and if we were just kind of promoting all of the positives, then nobody would really watch the show and it would probably we won't even have a spot on these television channels. Um, because that's what sells. That's what people want. And, you know, it is, it's rough because you realize as an, an enlightened, enlightened adult and young professional, you understand the need for those positive images on TV. But then I feel like we also have to acknowledge and understand the fact that those negative images, if you will, is what gets us airplay. That's kind of why we're there, you know? Yeah, but wouldn't it be better to not be present than to have those as our spokesperson? Hmm. I think if we weren't present, if I think if we weren't present, we'd probably have, be having a completely different uh, conversation about why aren't we present and what we, what should we, what do we have to do to become present? Because it's unfortunate, but no one wants to see those things. I, when I think about, I think there are ways – now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying these shows are justified in what they're doing. I'm not even saying that Mona Scott Young is justified in what she's doing. What I will say is when I look at shows and just comparing the list of shows um, that are out now, ones that 
you know, we, you've mentioned, um, if you look at shows like the R&B Diva show, it's different because these ladies were at one point in time celebrities. Uh, well, I mean, they are celebrities, but one point in time they were in the spotlight. So these shows are kind of like picking up where they left off, seeing where the, where they are now. So there there already is a little interest, but the type of drama that they have on those shows is quite different from the type of drama that you would have on a love and hip-hop show where you have women that nobody knows and they're almost battling it out for that type of attention. And so I think that there's ways that you can show drama or some drama without it getting so left field that it just really kills the the any type hope of a positive image. And, you know, it's kind of funny, too, because on one of these shows, um, the uh, reckless uh, Internet post campaign came out. And it's funny because it's kind of the, the irony is it is this reckless Internet post campaign comes out on a show that is actually kind of, I mean, it's kind of made its way off of people being able to post recklessly about the characters on the show, the characters on the show, they talk recklessly about each other. It's all in the name of bullying and it being so bad, but this, kind of somewhat supposedly positive campaign comes out of it. I just think it's it's really, really weird. And I think it's one of those things that we kind of have, we need to find a good medium because I don't think we can't have drama because we won't be there. Think about the Mary Mary show. It was popular, but I didn't really hear about it until it became like drama and, and chicks start jumping up at their managers and, People's husband was cheating on them and all this stuff, and it was like everybody fell in love with it that season. But before then, it was like, oh, yeah, the Mary Mary show, it's nice. It comes on TV. That's great. And then all of a sudden, it became like the best thing in the world when it got super drama filled. Yeah, I, I get that. I guess I just would like our people to be more socially conscious in the fact that we can't run up when there's and 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 turn on our socially conscious switch when we're we're social socially responsible switch when it suits us but when it doesn't suit us then we we don't take responsibility so we have these people on these shows who want to advocate when something happens in the black community but don't want to take personal responsibility for their part in perpetuating these stereotypes. I, it has to be some kind of thing. We have to work on every level. We can't just see the result of stereotypes and say, man, that's bad, and then protest and don't change our lives. We don't Don't push social responsibility because right now we're trying to turn a big ship and we're trying to do it without being conscious that every every person plays a part. And if I project these images on TV, I create more negative stereotypes in the minds of the viewers, which already have stereotypes. And I know our Caucasian brothers and sisters have these shows too, but they don't have the stigma behind them of Jim Crow. They don't have slavery. They don't have those things working against them. They don't have that. 
so we have that, and so we have to work harder to kind of break down these stereotypes so when we get to a Trayvon Martin walking in the street or we get to a Jordan Davis playing loud music, we could say, okay, we've we've done our part in not perpetuating these negative stereotypes to humanity as a whole. And I don't think we think through how what we take, what we allow ourselves to view or what we like to see on TV or what people like to show on TV affects those things. Because in reality, the people, the viewers are, if they don't have a relationship with African Americans, they're taking the behavior of African Americans from TV. So TV becomes the norm and a black young professional becomes something that's like kind of like a rarity um, amongst African Americans. And so African Americans are view negatively in the mind. So you have to work extra hard to change the view of that. And white America, and I just, I mean, I might be going a little bit too far with my view, but I just think we should we should think through that because it's going to be hard for rappers and black actresses or reality TV stars to get on TV and talk about social responsibility and how society treats African Americans when they promote that behavior in their art. It's true. Um, I think, so one thing that we have to be, and this is something that I think when we have these conversations, we don't usually acknowledge, which is the fact that these people won't have a platform if we didn't support it. I don't think, and I've said this about a number of, a number of things, I say this all the time, our community, we don't realize the power and the force that we have, the economic power that we have. I think if we come, we come to a place collectively where we we realize the economic power that we have, we're able to leverage that power. We actually are a really, really powerful force. If we didn't support these shows, um, if we didn't view these shows. <laughs> If we didn't DVR these shows, if we didn't continue the discussion in a positive way promoting these shows in some in some fashion, they wouldn't exist. So I think we have to share that responsibility with the artists, with the, the reality stars, with the actors. We have to understand that we play we're we play just as much of a role as they do. So while they're quote unquote selling themselves out or selling out the image of black people or exploiting black people for doing it, well, we're supporting them because we watch them. And as somebody that at some point in time that has watched it, has watched the show, I think I have to, we have to be mindful of our responsibility in that as well. Um, I think so that are they, you calling for us to boycott these shows? Um, I think that, honestly, if we really didn't like them, if they really are that much of a problem, that much of a detriment to the black image, we should. I think it's that simple. Because I think we can't... It, it does us no good to say that, oh, you know, we shouldn't have people that you you have these these artists that are out here and that are Stevie J was is an incredible world renowned, very successful uh, producer and writer and he's brought himself to be at this point and now he's on a part of this show and he's working on this show and it's just killing 
you know, the the image of the black man, we can't say that without acknowledging the fact that we watch CBJ. Like, if we did not give him an audience to view his newfound art, he would not be relevant. So because of that, the power, again, goes back to the people and what the people can do. Now, the conversation of getting everybody to be on the same page, to be on one accord, to understand it, that's a whole different conversation. But I think when you just look at it, the reality of it is that's what we would have to do to do it. But we can't do it because you have a number of people that are conscious, that are well aware. I think that's we probably may be in that category. We're well aware of it, but sometimes we just don't want to think. Sometimes you want to watch something that requires you to just do nothing but sit back and and, and not use your brain at all. I remember uh, Ebony, the uh, old host, one of the co-hosts from the Ricky Smiley Morning Show, Ebony Steele, I remember her saying that, you know, sometimes when we sit down and, and watch these shows, I think what gets us so interested in it is that, we're able to leave all of our problems to the side and look at someone else's problems and say, man, my life isn't as bad as theirs or my ish ain't as stink as their ish is. They look stupid. I don't look like that. They sound dumb. I don't sound like that. And so, in essence, in this kind of crazy way, you're able to build yourself up. And so that's what keeps you coming back because you can look at somebody and say, ugh, I don't want to be that person. My life would suck if I was that person because I have my life together in these other areas. And it's an, it's an avenue for you to kind of forget your problem and not have to worry about the realities or the struggles of your life, which when you think about it that way, it becomes that makes more sense as to why you have all these conscious people that are successful and intelligent and smart that engages in these things that we know for sure aren't helping us at all in the workplace, aren't helping us all being entrepreneurs, aren't helping us at all in terms of our image as a whole. They 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 really kill it, but for some reason, some crazy reason, we find ourselves back there tuned in on whatever day at whatever time to engage in it again. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think that watching it does – as much damage as being a participant. Um, I get the whole, it makes me feel like I'm better, um, but I don't know. I think that we could, there's other ways to to relax than watching um, one of those shows. But to each his own, I just wish we would be more conscious. But, that's all we have for um that's all the time we have for our main topic today. We want to move on to our random topic. So today's random topic comes from this crazy guy, this crazy story. He Ooh. actually fried his iPad. Deep fry his iPad. Yeah. So this is this. I don't. We in society come up with the most interesting ways to waste money. Um, Apple devices, and not not iPad. It was the iPhone. Apple devices are expensive devices. 
there is no way in the world I'm going to deep fry my iPhone. And this is some kind of artistic experiment. Um, He says that electronics have become almost a holy device, a new Apple device sends people out of their minds. But as soon as a new model comes out, the last one is immediately forgotten. Both tech culture and fast food are quickly devoured and then discarded because our appetite for the newest product. So he's saying we waste money because we, and we're so consumer-driven that we're always looking for the new device, which is true With when the new Apple iPhone came out, everybody went and got it. But seriously, it, the the frying it is going to prove the point, though. I just... Right. Great statement. Being as wasteful as the other one. And I... I mean, I know artsy people, they think in a different world than I do. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. No, certain things, rarely do I call things stupid, but this is flat out stupid. And this is not me speaking from the love of Apple. This is me speaking from some things just don't make sense. I will even find more. There's a guy that actually every time a new Apple product comes out or a new product comes out, um, there's actually a YouTube following of people that blend the, the the product. They'll put it in a blender and see how durable it is. I actually find more sense in that than in deep frying it. In the blender scenario, you'll be able to say, okay, well, how durable is this thing? If it was put in a blender, if it was ran over by a car, if it was done something, people do crazy things with their devices just to see what they can withstand. I can kind of get that. Deep frying it, there is absolutely positively nothing that you can prove to me with doing this of value outside of the fact that you just ruined the device because there's grease inside of it, and you deep fried it, and you pulled it out just to take a picture. I think the image that is on the website is of a deep fried iPad mini, and it looks ridiculous. And (laughs) I'm just kind of just – I just don't get it, yo. I think – this one has really stumped me from understanding why would you do it? What type of career or job do you have that allows you to just go buy an iPad mini and say, hey, I'm going to douse it in flour, get in the deep fryer, and cook it until I'm ready to pull it out? I don't have that type of dough to just be thrown away. I don't know anybody that does. I don't know who supports this guy. I think this this is very random and very ridiculous, extremely ridiculous. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. <laughs> well, we're going to dive into our quote of the week. This quote of the week says, we must be concerned not merely about who murdered them, but about the system, the way of life, the philosophy which produced the murderers. Martin Luther King, Jr., And I think that quote was very, very relevant when we mentioned earlier the start of the show, Michael Dunn being found guilty. While I think it is a breath of fresh air in this one case, we have to remember that justice has not been served for a number of our black and brown boys and girls. And because of that, we can be relieved that Michael Dunn has been brought to justice, but we have to remember that there are philosophies, there's a system, there's this whole idea of perception 
from everybody, even within the African-American community, but to, as to who African-Americans are, what certain classes of African-Americans are. And so when we look at that, we still have work to do. And I think this quote definitely charges us to continue to move forward to with that work and to make sure things are happening. So make sure you guys keep that quote in mind. Share it with somebody. I think it's a really, really big deal. We thank you guys so much for joining the show today, joining the discussion. Remember, you can use the hashtag ChatBC, that's pound ChatBC, to let us know what you think about the show, any critiques you have, any suggestions, any topics you want to hear us discuss, and also let us know what you feel about this reality TV thing. Um, new shows are always coming, always popping up. You guys let us know what we need to check out, what's good reality TV, what's bad, or just what you feel about the whole thing in general. Make sure you hit us up on our website at brunchculturebc.com. That's brunchculturebc.com. You can also find us on our social media handles. We are on Facebook at facebook.com backslash brunchculture. That's facebook.com backslash brunchculture. We are also on the good old Instagram. We're at um, Instagram, we're at brunch underscore culture, and on Twitter, we're at brunch culture. So hit us up. Let us know what you think. Follow along. We'll be tweeting out the links to the things we, talk, we talked about today so you guys can have them. And just stay involved. Keep us going. And remember, here at Brunch Culture, everything is up for discussion. <laughs>